Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Are you about to go to trial or are you worried about what a trial would look like in the family court? Well, today's your lucky day because we've got the amazing Lynn Galvin, a family law specialist of 35 years, who's going to talk us through what happens on a day in a trial. And we're going to break Mm. it down in a really simple, easy to understand way so that you're not walking in there having no idea about what's going to hit you. Mm. Thanks, Mum, for coming along. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. Now we've had lots of questions over the last year or two mm. saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go to trial. I don't know what to expect. What am I supposed to do? So really, mum, this is our way of breaking up that fear and the yeah. fear, the, the worry of the unknown. That's right. That's right. Uh, one of my clients years ago said to me, is it, I'm a theatre nurse. Is it like you give me an anesthetic and then you run everything from there? And I said, well, not quite. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've got things you've got to do, places you've got to stand. And so this is a way of sort of getting rid of any fear or helping to alleviate the fear. Mm. And, and, and athletes, famous Olympic athletes, run through in their mind how the day's going to go, what's it going to look like as a mindfulness approach to keep them steady and, and feeling empowered throughout their Olympic journey. So you can use this as a way to walk yourself through, put yourself in the process, imagine the lawyers, imagine the judges and feel what it will be like and get yourself through it. In, in your head a couple of times before you actually face it in real life. That's an absolute <laughs> great idea. And it, and it does because you've got enough to think about on the day without going, holy heck, is that person standing there? Who's he? You know, which one's the judge? Yeah. Why is that person dressed? Why is that person dressed like Harry Potter? What is going on? Yes. So let's start with, um, Mum, you, you've come up with a great analogy and you've ta- talked mm-hmm. about the theatre of a trial. So basically yeah. there's actors, there's a stage. So before we talk about the order of what happens in the trial, yeah. and look, most lawyers, most judges, most barristers, they're so used to it. It's like they just they just go through the motions. They're not even probably thinking some of the time. It's like people who go to Catholic church and they just say the stuff. It's kind of the same thing. But, Mum, can you talk us through who the main actors are on the day of a trial. Okay. So I'm talking about like the minute you walk into the courtroom, you know, and we can talk a bit about the Mm -hmm. leader. So you walk into the courtroom and the first thing you're going to see, well, is uh, a raised platform and usually on there Mm -hmm. will be the judge. If he's not there when you walk in, he will come in after, but that's where the judge goes. Um, The other players will be the judge's associates and uh, they will also be wearing Harry Potter rig- rigs. Um, the other mm-hmm. person will be there. That can be quite nerve-wracking for people and their lawyer and possibly their barrister, um, and they're sitting at one end of a table and you, are with your lawyer, sitting at the other end of the table and your witnesses will be outside, okay? Just a question. Yeah. Uh, what are judges' associates, what are they? They're the judge's secretaries. They're secretaries. They're usually law students who've done very well 
and they assist the judge. So you'll find sometimes the judge will want to ask a question and the associate whispers something to him or her and and she he whispers or she whispers back and, and they keep the judge's diary and they, you know, keep track of the mention dates and, and other stuff like that. So they're probably the first people you're going to see actually. Okay, all right because they'll come out and make sure everyone's ready to go in. All right. And so you walk in, yeah. uh, usually the judge isn't there. You've got the judge's associate there who's like the secretary but a legal yeah, person one or two well. of them. Uh, then you've got your party and your lawyer if you've got a lawyer, yeah. barrister if you've got a barrister, yeah. Queen's counsel if you've got a Queen's counsel, yes. and yes. you all stick to one side. That's right. Do you, how do you know which side to go to? Well, in, in the family court, it's usually seniority, and that's something the barristers or the lawyers know off by heart. So just wait. Your lawyer will probably tell you before you go in if you've got a lawyer. If you don't have a lawyer, you will go on the left side. So when you walk okay. in, so we've got to set the stage here. So the first thing you see when you walk in is usually a gigantic coat of arms with a, a kangaroo and an emu um, up on the wall. Mm-hmm. And then a very... If you're in Australia. Well, yes, this is Australia. Um, Yep, and you'll see a high (laughs) um, table. That's called the bench, um, and that's where the judge will Mm -hmm. sit. Slightly lower than him. I think I kind of think of it like being at the bridal table (laughs) would be one or two associates, and, (laughs) and all of those chairs are looking, facing the door, facing you when you walk in. Now, everyone else in the courtroom Mm. is facing the judge, of course, and the associates because he's got to be able to hear everything. And in front of the, Mm. the, there's a judge, there's the uh, um, associates, and then either side of the associates will be witness boxes. Now, anyone who's ever watched TV will know what a little witness box looks like. So it's a little raised platform, Mm. a couple of stairs up, there'll be a little desk, a microphone, a chair that swivels, and you will be sort of to the left or the right of the judge. There's always two witness boxes because the judges have a preference um, about size or the, perhaps the lawyers have a preference. So just go which one you're told, okay, when, when the time comes. Mm-hmm. So then there's a table that faces the associates and the judge and the witness box, and that's called the bar table. Um, and that's because a barrister is a person who goes to the bar. Fun fact that's from years mm. ago when there weren't proper courts or the court was actually the king's court or the queen's court and you would get someone in your community who was really good at speaking and they would there'd be a, a, a little fence stopping people getting too close to the judge to the um to the king or queen. Uh, maybe sometimes yeah. a, a priest or bishop um, and they would line up along that table and then they would put their client's case for them, uh, for the person, you know, because they mm. were the good speakers and they were the ones. So that's why it's called to. a bar because so it was. A- that's why it's called a bar. It used to be the bar you couldn't go past. Yeah. Anyway, so on that table, depending right and left, depending what your uh, lawyer says, if you're not sure, if you're on your own, wait until the other person has chooses a side and then just go to the other one. There's no skin off anyone's okay. nose. Um, and then... And there's a huge table. It's one long table, one either end. Sometimes if there's an IC, uh, independent children's lawyer might be in the middle. They might have lawyers as well. And everyone mm-hmm. spreads all their documents out. We're not that high tech yet <laughs> that we don't have documents. Yeah. And then when now behind you sit, them. Yeah. Yeah. Behind yeah. them, there's a row of t- chairs mm-hmm. 
that are facing the judge, of course, but they're in front of a little fenced-off area. So and so you sit so that what it is so that you can lean across and, and tug your lawyer's sleeve or the barrister or lawyer can lean back and ask your question. So you sit there. You always should sit, if you've got lawyers, where the judge can see your face because the judges like to see your reaction to things. So there's a, a good reason to keep your game face on. Um, no sort of And that's what they always say, keep keep your game face, don't yep. open, don't make no. reactions, don't eye roll, don't carry on like a pork yeah. chop. Don't go woohoo. You've got the, bar- the judges, the associates, then you've got space, then everyone's facing, there's the bar table with all your lawyers on it, and then if you're representing yourself, you stand to the left at the bar table but on the opposite side of their them. If you've got lawyers, you sit behind them unless they tell you otherwise and you, and then you can tap them on the shoulder or the lawyers can ask you questions. Now, good. Then do they do they have the – can other people come and sit in there? Yes, usually other people can. Uh, so they have what's called the gallery and that's behind a little fence. So you'll sit in front of a little wall or a little fence, um, but all the non-participants – will be sitting behind in rows and rows of seats. So sometimes there might be another trial going on, so the other lawyers might be in there um, and the other people in the thing, in the case. Sometimes there's law students or members of the public can usually go unless it's a closed court. Uh, I'll tell you who isn't there, mm-hmm. Laura. Your witnesses aren't there. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to come in. Okay. Yeah, so you can't, so your witnesses will be outside, until after they've given their evidence, then they can sit and listen. Sometimes you might take a support person with you. Okay. And they can sit behind you th- mm-hmm. there. Okay. All right. So we've set up the scene. That's what it yep. looks like. Let's talk about what actually happens. So you're, if you're representing yourself or if you've got a lawyer, mm. you're sitting there and then I think if the judge isn't there, there's a big knock on the door. Yeah, it's usually right? three sharp raps. Boom, 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 and then you'll hear all rise. The uh, court is now open. Or, well, they'll say what sort of court it is, you know, is now open. And so you mm-hmm. stand up. There's no such thing as being too respectful to a judge. So you'll all stand up. The judge walks in. As the judge starts to take her seat, you all bow, and your judge gives a little nod to you guys, and then the associate will say, be seated. And then the stage is set, the players are all in place, and then it can begin. Okay. So sometimes the judge will have a few comments to make Mm -hmm. about the case, you know. Mm. Um, They call it housekeeping sometimes. Okay. Do you think we should have this witness next? Or, you know, I I was thinking it'll take a half an hour for this and we'll do this before lunch. Okay, so once the judge has done his housekeeping or her housekeeping, who gets to talk first? The applicant gets cross-examined first. So in the family courts that we're talking about, all of your evidence is in the affidavits, okay? And so you'll have already mm-hmm. put your, your story in and the judge will have read it, okay? And the other side will put theirs in. So what happens now is cross-examination. So you've, you, if you're the person who made the application, you have to prove that you've got a case. So you get up in the witness box and their job, the your other their opposition's job is to poke holes in your case. So they will try to, they'll take you to different parts of your affidavit and say, that's not true, is it? Or, you know, that's not what happened. Or I put it to you, this is what happened. 
So yeah, that's the hardest bit for you of a trial. If you're the person sitting in the witness box, Mm. you've written your affidavit, you've got your evidence, are you allowed to have your affidavit with you? No, no, hardly ever. So basically the other side is going to try and prove that you're not telling the truth or try and poke holes in your affidavit. Okay. So how can someone prepare? Because we we get a lot of questions saying, how can I prepare for my trial, particularly yeah. ladies going through DV and, you know, and men as well. So, you know, what is something that you can say to them as a way to be pre- as prepared as you can? Okay. All of my clients will read their affidavit material and everyone else's affidavit the night mm-hmm. before. So they've got to refresh their memory. They know what they've said. Um, they will, when they get into the witness box, that either the judge or their lawyer will say, "Is did you swear this affidavit on this date? Yes. Is there anything in there you want to change? So if there is anything that's different or that you made a mistake about, fix it up there because it looks really bad if the mistake comes out under cross-examination. Another way to prepare um, yourself is um, make sure you have breakfast. I know you'll be sick. Um, in the morning and I know you probably haven't slept at night and you've still had to get kids off probably but do your best to put something nourishing in your body so that you can at least you're not thirsty hungry when you're giving evidence the second thing to do is Mm. no matter how horrible the barrister is and some barristers are really awful and mean um, when they ask a question listen to the question take a heartbeat or two breathe in and then give an answer just to that question. So uh, you can really get into strife if you think they're trying to trick you up on anything and the judge might form a view that you're being a little bit tricky or evasive. So if the judge Mm. says, uh, for instance, um, you say you had a a, um, Volkswagen camper van when you got married. Is that right? Yes. Is that right? And you go... Yes. Don't go anything about mum gave it to me for my 21st or, you know, but we sold it later on. Just go, yes, because that's the truth and that's your response. If he says, you didn't, I put it to you, you didn't have a camper van, did you? Um, You didn't have a camper van, did you? You should take a breath and go, yes, I did. You know, so taking that breath answering just the question that's asked. Don't try to gallop ahead. Um, And that's the best way that you can give your evidence. So a a simple answer as possible Mm -hmm. and as truthful as possible. And don't try and outsmart the barrister or the lawyer that's asking the questions. Just say, what what answer they're looking for and go from there. Is yep. that right? That's right. If you wrap it on a bit, you'll probably get chipped by the judge because the barrister will have a series of questions. Like he might want to ultimately say, I'm using this Volkswagen as an example, it's a fictional thing, but he might want to ultimately say that, um, that you gave it to your ex-husband, right? So first of all, he'll establish that you had a camper van, establish that you what it was worth, you know, by asking a question, and then he'll ask the zinger question. They'll start with asking simple questions just to establish the background, and if you start sort of trying to anticipate and rush forward, you're just going to irritate the judge and look like you're trying to hide something. So just simple question, simple answer. If you don't understand the question, then ask them to repeat it. 
okay? If it seems like two questions, you can say, I think that's two questions and the answer to this question is this and the answer to that question is that. A good barrister will not muddle questions up. They, they should ask you clear, concise questions to lead you down to a path. So if you want to know what's in the barrister's head or the lawyer's head is they are trying to, they're, they're, they've got some submissions they want to make at the end of the case. It says to the judge, this is what we want you to find is the truth between the two versions. This is what we want you to do with that truth. And it might be she didn't have the combi van, therefore she shouldn't get any more property than he gets, therefore I want an order that's 50-50, right? That, that might be. So they... If, if you your evidence is that you did have a combi van, they've got to shake that evidence from you if, and or at least put it to you so that you didn't have one before they can make that submission. So they kind of work into a roadmap. If you try to outsmart them, you'll just come a cropper. So you'll just have to trust the process, I think. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we have a really important announcement that very well might just help you out. Are you currently in the family court? Do you currently have a family lawyer? Come along to our new free webinar called How to Keep Your Costs Down During Family Court Proceedings. Reserve your seat now by clicking the link in our bios on our social media pages or going into the show notes and clicking on the link. In this webinar, you will learn how to manage your legal costs during your divorce. We walk you through how to actually get your divorce, property and children's settlements sorted without spending thousands of dollars in the court. Mum will also talk you through how to avoid costly pitfalls when hiring lawyers and getting lawyers to do your court documents. If you register for our free webinar to help make your divorce less painful and costly, you'll be able to discover the steps you can take yourself to keep your costs down and not end up with horrible bill shock. Learn from Lynn, a lawyer of 35 years experience get some gems of information and set yourself on the right path to your new life. Click on the link and reserve your seat today. We'll see you in March. Now let's get back to the episode. If you're telling the truth and you're um, explaining it and you're calm because the judges will be looking at your reactions to questions, Mm -hmm. don't they, Mum? They they gauge your mannerisms, the way you treat the barrister or the lawyer that's speaking to you. Respect. If you're in um, a domestic, particularly um, it, in a situation where you're feeling really anxious because you're talking about something that's really uncomfortable mm. or you're upset about it and the person is intimidating, is to look at the top of their head, right. not look at them in the eyes. Yes. And then that makes things a little less uh, terrifying because nobody's not, no one knows, no one doesn't know that you're not doing that, but at least it's giving you a bit of space because it can be very confronting to mm. be sitting in a witness, because sometimes you can be in a witness box for how long, Mum? Well, you can be in a witness box for hours and, you know, if you have a lunch break in the middle of your evidence, you're not allowed to talk to your lawyer or any of your witnesses during that break. Um, so it's a, it's quite confronting. That's why I want you to have a big breaky. Um and, and drink the water as you need to and mm. just um, try to keep calm. It's a very gruelling process. Don't drink all of the water that's there in case then you might desperately need to pee. So, Well, do you know what? If you do, I mean, if you need to go to the bathroom or you, you just say, um, uh, excuse me, and say to the barrister perhaps, I need a comfort break, okay, and they won't deny you. Mm. Okay, but you mm. will not be able to talk to anyone when you go. Okay. So how do you know when the time in the witness box is over? Uh, the barrister will turn to the judge and say, no more questions, Your Honour. And then 
the the associate or the judge will say you can stand down miss such and such or mr such and such and then you can come down and sit back at your place on the bar table or behind your lawyer okay and then your witnesses will come in if they're called one at a time they'll have been waiting outside as each witness comes in the witness box, they get asked their questions. Once they've finished answering their questions, they can sit in the back of the court unless the judge says they can't. So, so that you can, you know, and then when all of your evidence is through, uh, then uh, the it's the other side's turn and then you can watch them squirm for a while. When you say when all your evidence is through, do you mean that the other side, so your, your ex or whoever's mm. on the other side, has satisfied that they've asked every question they could possibly want to ask yep. you or any witness that's in your affidavit. Yep, because you and your witnesses, that's your case. All right, so then what happens? Uh, then then it's the other person's side. So your ex mm. goes in the witness box and your lawyer asks some questions and then your lawyer asks each of their witnesses questions if necessary and then they tell the judge that there are no more questions. Sometimes the judge will ask you a question when you're in the witness box and you should look at the judge when you're asked that question and you should call him your honour or her your honour. Very respectful. And if you can't remember it, just say sir or ma'am, okay, because sometimes up there you you get really flustered Mm. and they're Mm. very they feel very close, the judges do, when you're up there. It's quite startling. <laughs> but it's because they're looking at you. They're looking to see if you're telling lies or if they think you're telling the truth, uh, if you're being mean to the barrister, the, court, the judge will form a very poor view. So don't mm. be too smarty with the barrister. Uh, you're only upsetting the court. It's everything that you're saying and everything they say, is it all recorded? It is. And it's even recorded before the court, before the judge comes in. So be careful what you say in that courtroom because it's all wired for sound. Oh. <laughs> so you could be sitting there whinging about the, uh, your, ki- your kids or, or your mum-in-law or, or something and that's all being heard. <laughs> Bad, Ooh, idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. Now, so once everybody's side has been heard and everyone's had a chance to ask all their questions and poke holes in everybody's yep. affidavits and the judges maybe ask yep. some questions, then, what happens next? Well, then there'll after be that? closing submissions. So, like, remember I said the barristers ask questions so they can create this sort of um, story they want the judge to believe at the end. Okay, so then the each each uh, person, uh, you go first. Uh, your lawyer sets out why um, your case is um, so strong and so tight that he should find the way you want to find, and then they put in their case and then, yeah, Mm. any maybe little bits of reply. Sometimes it's the other way around. It just depends. But anyway, everyone makes their closing submission. Sometimes, Rose, it's in writing. The judge will say, look, put your submissions in writing. Okay. And they give you like a timeline or a deadline to do that? They do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then when do you get judgment? Do you get it on the day? Sometimes, not often, sometimes. Because uh, the judges have to write a quite informed judgment um, to set out why they've decided a certain way uh, and uh, they want to take their time to do that well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll get your judgment in two weeks. You might even get the reasons a little bit later, but sometimes judges have taken a couple of years, I'm afraid. Okay. But now Which is why new- mediation is such a good idea. 
Now that that new practice direction is and the court's trying to fix it, their aim is to get you in and out. Yes, hopefully within a year. Now, this is a question for our ladies and and gentlemen that don't have lawyers. Are they able to cross-examine the other side themselves? Because that would feel weird, right, if you're – if you're trying to poke holes in your ex's affidavits, asking your ex questions in the mm. witness box, does that happen? Mm. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, if there's domestic violence, the, the court can make an order that legal aid provide a lawyer just for that cross-examination and the, the closing submissions. Um, mm. But, yeah, often people do cross-examine each other in the witness box uh, to keep their costs down. Okay, and and do the barristers, like you said, they're trying to cre- the barristers are trying to create a story that they want the judge to to believe is the right one, so that that goes with what they want in the orders. Yep. Do barristers or lawyers do they write their questions mm. down in advance? Do they plan how they're going to question, or does it just flow on the day? Well, I always wrote my questions down more or less mm-hmm. dot points because the first thing a barrister should do is write their submissions. That the, They have a case theory. They read mm-hmm. all the material. They develop what they call a case theory. They write that down in draft. That's their submissions. And then they get the questions, ask the questions to match their submissions. Right. So, like I said, they're plotted out. Either dot point or um, one time I, I had to do it with um, people who were all hearing impaired. So we had... Mm-hmm. Um, translators and Auslan translators and on that occasion I wrote pretty well every question out but of course sometimes a barrister gets an answer that might need more chasing down so if you're acting for yourself I think you should work out what you want the judge to to say about your case and what outcome you want and then write your questions to match but be Mm. ready to if you get an unexpected answer to drill down a little bit more you know, mm. uh, so like you might say, uh, you had a combi van uh, when we got together, didn't you? And and they might say, oh, pardon me, yes, but not for long. Well, you don't want to leave that not for long hanging um, mm. if you need to know. You say, well, when did you sell it? So you really did have it at the beginning. So it's kind of like you've got to herd them in. It's a funny expression. <laughs> so if you've got a if you've got a lawyer, you can leave the questioning up to them. If you don't have a lawyer, try and think about what it is that you want yes. it to be. Now, the mm-hmm. next question, I guess, is mm. so you you've both given your evidence, you've both had your witnesses, you've both step away, and you're waiting for the judgment. Can you still settle in that in that time between trial and yes. judgment? Yes, you can. Really. Okay, yes, so you do you, you do can. you recommend yeah. that they keep negotiating? It's, if you've got all the way to trial and even a lot of people negotiate on the morning of court and mm. you haven't reached agreement, it's unlikely that you'll be able to settle. But, mm. look, if, it, if something happens and it all falls into place, then uh, you can advise the court that you've reached agreement and that will save the judge having to give a judgment. Okay. And you can lodge that with the court and the court will usually make the orders in the terms of your agreement. My last question is sometimes at the moment there are phone calls instead of room meetings. Is that still oh, happening? 
and yes. what, what what's and the Zoom. difference between a, a Zoom and a, and a phone trial as opposed to a face to face trial? I don't think they do a phone trial um, for big stuff where there's cross examination. Usually, telephone's not appropriate, uh, but they mm-hmm. do use Zoom. Um, from the judge's point of view, the judges think there's not much difference. That, that seems to be the feedback we're getting. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there might be um, some things that are missed with a judge looking at a, a screen as opposed to being in the room with people. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, uh, you still have to have a degree of formality. You will usually be at your lawyer's office. If you are by yourself, you need to sit somewhere in a Zoom room, get your kids and your pets and the lawnmower man and whoever's coming, get rid of them for the day. You need to have a quiet place where you can concentrate. Nothing mm. distracting in the background. I would blur it. If we were giving evidence, I'd blur the background so that the judge can just see your face. Mm-hmm. Um, it does require a lot more attention. I mean, you, you really have to focus all the time. You can't sort of eyes wander around the room because, you you know, you, you're watching everyone so intently. So, yeah, I, th- I think... Um, Zoom trials or Teams trials are here to stay. So in a way, COVID did us a favour because you used to have to go to the court, everyone was on at 9.30 or 9, Mm. and then you mightn't get before a judge till 2, whereas this way, um, you know, it's a little more efficient use of time. So I think the court's going to hold on to that. And there will be maybe in the future court closures and you just have to be able to do it. We're all getting better at it. Now, at court, if you are going in, mm. how many support people yeah. should you take? Should you take your entire family? Should you take just one person? Should you go alone? Uh, it depends on your circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. If you have someone who's a really good friend, take that person. Um, sometimes the witnesses on your case are also support people in a way for you. Uh, but take someone who is practical Mm-hmm. doesn't have an axe to grind, and loves you, someone who's got your interests at heart. Probably don't bring the new boyfriend or the new girlfriend because that can antagonise the other side. Yeah. Um, but, you know, bring someone to support you. And and they could be the people who hang on to your novel or your iPhone while you're in court or who get you drinks and coffees when you're when you're waiting to go on and just generally can be a steadying influence if the court doesn't let them in they can wait outside and be there for you when you come out okay now so some people like take a, a lot of people actually that's very frowned on in COVID yeah okay true <laughs> they, they limit the number of people at the moment okay. because of COVID so make sure you know exactly the day, exactly the court, where you're supposed to be, and definitely don't put yourself in a situation where you're running frantically to a different room or a different court. So get there early. And like mum said, definitely have something to eat. Um, have all your documents with you printed out. Have mm-hmm. heaps of copies if you're on your own. Have multiple copies, one to hand to the judge, one to hand to the other side, yeah. and one for you. Um, and mum, out of all of that, just because a lot of people are stressing about sitting in the witness box. So from the yeah. whole perspective yeah. of sitting in the witness box, what is your number one, apart from having a snack, um, what's your number one tip that, that maybe you've seen people make mistakes in court in witness boxes? Mm. My number one tip is to, it's a three-part process, every question. Take a breath listen to the question, answer only the question. 
and don't worry about where it's headed. So listen, answer, let it go. Now, if the question is inappropriate or if the question is, like, shocking, do you object to it or do you let your lawyers object to it? You know how you see in court they go, I object, like on TV. If you have lawyers and a question is asked of you that is not fair or is somehow um, a breach of some sort of rules of evidence or whatever, uh, your lawyer will stand up and object. Um, and then the court, they will be a little argument. I object, Your Honour, on the grounds that this is opinion evidence. And then the other party will say, uh, oh, yes, I did ask the wrong question there. Or they'll say, I don't think it is, Your Honour. And then the judge makes a little decision. And then someone will say to you, you must answer the question or move on, Mr. Such and Such, and they'll have to ask another question. You never get to object. If you're acting for yourself and you get asked a really awful question that's unfair or cruel or inappropriate, the judge will stop that barrister or lawyer and say, no, Mr. Such and Such or Mr. Such and Such, you can't ask that question. Okay. So, yeah, just unless someone leaps up, You've got to answer the every question asked. Okay. So think of it like a, I'm going to get it's through this grueling. day, I'm going to get through this hour, I'm going to get through these next 10 questions and maybe have a reward for yourself at the end. Maybe you could organise to hang out with your mates afterwards or maybe you could say, if I don't freak out or cry, I'm going to give myself this. But, Mum, do you see people crying in the witness box? Yes, yes. And what happens then? Sometimes it's very painful and people do cry. Uh, Sometimes if it's severe, the judge might ask the person if they want a moment to compose themselves. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they've had to, they might stand the matter down. That means that the court's just quietly adjourned for a little while so you can go to the bathroom, blow your nose and, you know, collect Mm -hmm. your thoughts. But, yeah, you know, it's that you've got to get through it somehow. So, Try to be strong. What you don't want to do is load yourself up with medication. That means you can't answer properly. So it's just a, it's a hard thing, but it's one of those hard things you've just got to get through. Mm. And if you do load yourself up with medication and, and they ask, and they can say to you, are you on lots of medication right now? That won't look very good either, will it? Well, no. And then it may be, you can't later on say, oh, when I gave those answers, I'd taken too much anti-anxiety tablets or something, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah. So I, I have had in the criminal court, I'm sorry to say, not, yeah, in the criminal court, I've had people turn up drunk. <laughs> we have to abort the trial. Yeah. Because, that's not a good you know, they're, they're stressed. No, you, you really have to do whatever, like do your meditation, talk sense to yourself, stick your posters up, just whatever it takes in the morning to get you there and and you have to go through it. I think of it Mm. a little bit like labour pains. (laughs) There's so Mm. many of the questions you've got to go through and it's one of those times in life where you just have to do it. But the good news is it's once pretty much unless someone appeals and you have to go through it again, but that even then the appeal is read read anyway. So the good news is you go through it once. Yeah. That's it. So just remind yourself, I'm going to go through this once, and once I'm through it, it's done. So my heart goes out to anyone yep. who is currently uh, going leading up to oh. a trial. Um, but just know that you're strong. If you stick to the truth, doesn't matter what a barrister or a lawyer asks you or a QC, if you're telling the truth and you're sticking to the truth, you'll be completely fine. Yeah. See, judges 
it, there's always a range in property that judges can make. It's sort of there's a difference of maybe 10% in outcomes. Mm-hmm. So don't forget, on the morning just before court, everyone's nervous, your exes and you, and that's where a lot of the best offers are made and a realistic assessment. You go, you know what, I could do worse than that if I went into court. And I could mm. save myself a day in the witness box if I just accept this offer. So a lot of people settle on that morning. So, you know, you just try, try, try again to settle. But if you have to go to trial, you do. And remembering, I think we've talked about this in another podcast episode, if some, if they make an offer to you and and then the trial of the trial judgment is worse they can sometimes go for costs and make you pay their legal fees. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yes, some of their, some of their legal fees, yes. As if they've put an offer in writing to you and the court will order them to put offers in mm-hmm. writing and your outcome is the same or worse than that, uh, then, yes, the court will be, because the other side or, or you, if you've the one put the offer in, but that person's going to be saying to the judge, Your Honour, we're only here because one of us is being unreasonable. I made that offer way back in July 2017 or 18, 19, whatever, um, and they didn't accept it. So now they should pay some of my legal fees. And Mm. that can be thousands. So Mm. it's important. You know how I said when you get a question to to take a breath, listen to the question, take a breath before you answer? Same with offers. If you get an offer, don't just go, that's ridiculous. carefully read it, carefully consider it, weigh it up, and then I would suggest if you can't accept it, make a counter offer that you could accept and that you mm. think they might accept. Well, wise words, Mum, from a wise lady. <laughs> mm, it's a hard day. You will be exhausted for two days. <laughs> yeah, you'll be pooped for a couple of days afterwards. Okay. Well, thank you, Mum, so much for your knowledge and wisdom today. Mm. And we've got lots of other uh, podcast episodes you guys can listen to about how to write your affidavits Mm -hmm. and make your applications. And we even talk about the court conveyor belt, which is the different uh, court dates that you will have leading up to a trial. But I thought because we've had so many questions about witness boxes, I thought we'd better just hit that one on the head. So we might do some more episodes on mentions and uh, conciliation conferences. Um, So keep keep an eye out for those. And of course, mum, we've got a webinar coming up called How to Keep Your Costs Down when you are in family court proceedings. Mm. So if you are listening and you are going through court at the moment, you have a lawyer or you're on your own, um, come along, sign up to the webinar. You can just click on the link in our show notes or go to our website or click on the link in our bio in Instagram, Facebook or TikTok and you can get your free seat. We've only got 50 seats for both sessions. So come along and mum can talk to you about how to keep your costs down in court because costs are Mm. nasty even in negotiations we can keep your costs down yep that's a great it's going to be a great webinar yes so thank you so much mum for sharing your time with us thank you everyone everyone for listening and good luck if you're about to go into a trial and and we've got you back try and calm yourself and take a support person it will be okay it doesn't go forever you'll be fine thanks mum thanks everyone that's right it will end (laughs) 
Bye, Laura. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only, and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording. 